This is Carol McLeod, and you're listening to A Jolt of Joy on the Charisma Podcast Network. I'm delighted to go digging for gold with you in the unmatched, powerful, restorative, and miraculous Word of God. How I love the holiday season that's framed by Thanksgiving on one end and by New Year's Day on the other end. Every single day that's squished between the last Thursday in November and the very first day of the brand new year holds a delight and a gladness that the other days of the calendar year simply cannot match. Why is this? I believe that it's because of the miracle of Christmas. How appropriate that in human terms, we begin this momentous season by the giving of thanks and we close it by the start of something brand new. During this last month of the calendar year, we'll be traveling back to Bethlehem and rediscovering all of the joy of Christmas. You know, all of history pivoted on this one extraordinary historical event and our world has simply never been the same again. Let's dig in. Let's settle our hearts and minds on the joy of Christmas. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Now in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. You know, after Mary returned home from visiting her cousin Elizabeth, Joseph and Mary probably had what we would call today a shotgun wedding. Then they had to travel to Bethlehem, away from their hometown, to register for a census. Maybe it was a relief to Joseph and Mary to get away from the wagging tongues, the old women who were counting months on their fingers, the coarse, rude comments as Mary walked to the village well. As Joseph and Mary entered Bethlehem, the streets were teeming with people. As I thought about it, I wonder if it was sort of like the mall the day after Thanksgiving in our Western world. Luke chapter 2 Verses 4 and 5. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. It probably took Mary and Joseph nearly a week to travel the 80 miles from Nazareth to Bethlehem due to Mary's advanced pregnancy. Talk about the timing of a journey being inconvenient. Mary and Joseph were required to travel away from their hometown in order to register for the census that had been decreed by Caesar Augustus. Luke chapter 2, verse 6. And while they were there, the days were completed for Mary to give birth. It was in those moments, while Mary was being jostled by the crowds, that she felt the first of her labor pains. Perhaps her water broke on the crowded street, wetting her garment and the donkey on which she was riding. Did she quietly whisper while in pain, Joseph, please find a place for me to rest? Well, all of the inns were full. There was no room for the Savior to be born. There was no hospital, no midwife, and certainly no sanitary conditions. Do you think that Joseph and Mary were questioning God at this point? 
God, if this child is from you, provide for us. I wonder if Joseph's heart silently cried, God, this doesn't seem to be fair. Luke chapter 2, verse 7. And Mary gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in the manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Joseph found nothing more than a cave, a barn, a stable, in which to prepare for the quickly approaching arrival of their son. The smelly stable was rife with manure and unkempt animals. The hard ground was saturated with the urine of the barnyard creatures, and the clean hay was sparse. Cobwebs were drooping from the ceiling, while a mouse or two scurried by in fear. The cows were munching on the pungent hay, and sheep were sadly looking on as Mary labored and bled. It was into this putrid atmosphere of mankind that the Savior entered the world. My heart stops as I picture the enchanted face of this teenage mother meeting her baby boy for the very first time. She was gazing into the face of God, and he was looking back at her. God had wrapped his tiny hand around her finger and around her heart as well. Jesus was her son, yet her Lord. The Christ child was her baby, yet her majesty. Mary was spellbound, not only by the ten tiny fingers and the ten miniature toes, but she was spellbound by the presence of God himself. Who did this little person look like? Did he have Mary's father's nose? Or did he display Joseph's father's ears? What we do know is that this baby came with the heart of God. Mary couldn't take her eyes off of her baby boy. So great was her love for this heaven-sent child. And the most amazing miracle of all was that he couldn't take his eyes off of his young mother, a specimen of the world that he came to save. So great was his love for mankind. my friend. Don't take your eyes off of the true meaning of Christmas. Know that when Jesus was born, he was born for you. Allow the baby in the manger to wrap his love around your heart. Well, there's one group of people in the Christmas story that we haven't yet talked about, and that group is known as the Magi or the Wise Men. The Magi specialized in astronomy, the study of the stars. These learned, cerebral men were not Jews, but they were pagan astrologers from the East. Today, we might term these wise men as diviners or even magicians. They were wise in the way of secular science. They might be the types of people that you and I might want to stay away from today. Perhaps in the 21st century, we would call them humanists or academic weirdos. These wise men actually didn't need the advice or navigation powers of King Herod and his best men. They just needed to follow the light of the world. When the magnificent stars stopped them in their wealthy tracks, the Bible says that these learned men rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Only six words, rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Yet, what richness their brevity holds. 
We're going to chew on each word. We're going to feast on each of these six words and discover what this phrase means. Rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Exceedingly is defined as greatly or even violently or vehemently. These first century professorial types didn't just quietly bow down with their scholarly hands clasped in front of their wise faces. The joy that they experienced in the presence of Jesus was an explosion of joy that knocked their mortar boards off their wizened heads. The joy of Jesus rocked their academic world. The Magi were hooping and hollering because after years of study, after decades of hitting dead ends as to the meaning of life, after a lifetime of frustrating nothingness, they had found the creator of this miraculous universe. They had discovered the answer with a capital A to all of their formerly unanswerable questions. They had at last discerned the wisdom of the ages found in a toddler's sweet babble. These erudite men were participating in a violent explosion of joy. You know, the joy that Jesus delivers to anybody's life should certainly shake some things up a bit. Okay, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Great in this sentence means with great effort of the affections and emotions of the mind. It's significant that this Greek definition of the word great includes the word for mind. The Magi were men of scrolls and cerebral intensity. At the moment this star stopped in the presence of Jesus, all that they had ever learned or studied paled in comparison to this one momentous event. When these pedantic men discovered the location of the baby boy, they also discovered the mother load of joy. They had a vein so rich and generous in joy that it changed every detail, both large and small, concerning their impressive lives. The Magi fell on their faces and worshiped Jesus in spirit and in truth. While Jesus was talking baby talk and babbling in a language only his mother could understand, these men, who were known for solving the mysteries of the ages, lay prostrate in his eternal presence. Will you fall on your face this Christmas in the presence of Jesus? These wise men had their academic world rocked with the joy that was found in the presence of a baby boy. They had changed their academic regalia for a garment of praise. Will you let go of your very human emotional makeup and allow the joy of his presence to infiltrate all of the corners of your world? Worship is the place where humanity meets the God of the universe. Worship is the moment when mankind falls on its face in joy. My hope for you this Christmas season is that you will experience more joy, more hope, more peace, and more true worship than you ever thought was possible. The God of Christmas is still giving gifts to his children today, so receive all that he has for you. You know, Christmas is a tough time for a lot of people. And if you're struggling this Christmas season, I would love to hear from you. You can email me at carol 
at carolmccloudministries.com. It would be my honor to pray for you and to encourage you this year. You can also grab lots of encouragement from visiting my website, which is carolmccloudministries.com. And now let's pray. Jesus, thank you for Christmas. Thank you for coming to planet Earth in the form of a baby. Thank you for invading the darkness with your light, hopelessness with your hope, depression with your joy, and confusion with your peace. Lord, fill us with your power this day and every day. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Well, as always, I hope you'll join me next time on A Jolt of Joy.